everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of the Dollar Bin Bandits. I'm Joe Marcello, joined as always with my friend and co-host, Oren Phillips. How you doing? Today, we are super pleased uh, to have our first television personality, Rob Wolf. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. You guys uh, will know Rob from American Pickers, and he's also a comic book fan, so which is why he's here. So, <laughs> uh, Rob, first off, I wanted to ask you how you got into comics. Um, I think comic books, in, in, in a general way, were a source of, uh, as a kid, you know, being five and seven years old, I always had to clean the house and do things, and my my mom would always, you know, you got a dollar at the end of the week. Well, dollar went to Walgreens, and back then they had the big rack that you could actually pick stuff from, and uh, it, that's where I spent my money. Uh, that dollar got me four comics that I could actually read throughout that week and, uh, you know, let my mind wander. And every week that was the same scenario, so. Did you have any titles or, or characters that you were, that you uh, gravitated towards? Um, I was into Spider-Man a lot. Spider-Man was the guy for me. Uh, I love the way he he uh, he carried himself in the in the in it. And and then I want to think of uh, the other one. I want to say it was uh, there was a funny comic that I used to pick up every once in a while just to laugh at it. Uh, and I cannot think of the name of it now because I I've completely lost uh, lost sense with that that world over there. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I think comic books in general were a way for me, myself, my brother was the same way. We could literally, uh, he would buy four, I'd buy four. We could swap those out. We were always trading back and forth. So um, the characters in the comic books themselves actually help you as a child become who you are, I think. Mm -hmm. I was just say, last week I saw on the show, you mentioned you were a big Green Hornet guy. Uh, the old gold key books were those um, the ones that had like the uh, the covers taken from the TV show with uh, Bruce Lee and uh, the Green Hornet on the cover? Yes, yes, they were. Yeah, the earlier, the, the later versions. Okay. Yeah. Now were those like original stories, or were they just uh, from like episodes of the TV show they put in comic form? It was it was episodes of the TV that okay. they actually put into the comic. You know, that was the other thing. As a child, you know, you got to you, you got to read these comic books, but then all of a sudden the character became life on television. So it made you even want, wanted to, it made you want the comic books even more sometimes. Now, important question I have for you. Do you still have those comics that you bought as a child? <laughs> no, I do not. I wish I did. I, <laughs> I think that's a, a reoccurring theme with a lot of people, you know, like as a kid, you start collecting, not for the, uh, the collecting, uh, aspect of it just to have and read and kind of escape from everything else. And it's not till yeah. another 10 or 12 years later that you're like, oh man, I should have had them. And it'd yeah. be, I have a gold mine and I can retire. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a friend of mine, my brother and I used to run these bicycle shops here local and uh, he found like a number two or a number three Superman <sighs> in excellent condition. This was probably, oh God, I want to say at least 10 years ago. And uh, I remember he sent it to auction. He goes, that, that paid for my daughter's education at college. Wow. Yeah, Jeez. one comic, boom. <laughs> I think that's what we all thought when we were collecting Death of Superman and the fancy bag, and then we come to find oh, yeah. out that it's yeah. <laughs> not worth very much at all right now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
No, back in those days, I think the, the biggest thing for me that I really miss uh, that I wish I still had were all the bicycles I had as mm. a kid growing up. You know, the comic books were one thing, and then you got into the baseball cards or another, but um, my bicycle collection I had back in those days was just off the charts. How did you acquire those bikes? You would just, you would trade with other folks or you would buy them yourself or? Yeah, we would, I would buy them or when we were, uh, when I was younger, I would, uh, you know, people would throw that stuff away in the garbage and they, they didn't care about it. And we would, you know, I, I probably had, uh, between my brother and I, I think my mom never parked her car in the garage. We might've had uh, anywhere from 50 to a hundred bicycles in the garage. Oh, wow. Part, it was like a part swap warehouse is what it was basically yeah. for, for uh, all the kids in the neighborhood would be, hey, if you needed a part, you went to us. <laughs> and they were cool. your mom, too, to let you guys do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she didn't care. I mean, uh, when we lived in Chicago, I, I don't think she had one end of the house and one section of the garage. There was no way she could even walk through it. And we at that time, we're only, my brother might have been uh, nine years old, and I was seven. Right. <laughs> so. so one uh, question I had for you is, what... In, in your, you know, in your professional work, what have you found of, of comic book, you know, memorabilia or, co or comic wise itself? What has, have you found that has really wowed you? Um, you know, some of the original artwork uh, I've found, I've really not found a lot of comic books, let's say. The, uh, every once in you know, it's like we always find them, but they're always like, and I know that that world is getting more and more collectible. Mm -hmm get into the eighties and you get into the nineties stuff that, you know, I find a lot of that stuff, but you don't find any stuff back in the seventies or, you know, the early days. Yeah. Like that stuff is uh, to me is like a ghost. Yeah. I was going to say, is it uh, in going off of that, you know, so many collectors now want their comics graded, you know, okay. and they has all that stuff. When you guys, when you see like a key book or something out there, do you kind of have to second guess yourself be like, do I really want to go through the process to get this thing graded to get the most money? Or do you think it's worth the investment? I think it's worth the investment always. I always do on that. Uh, people hit me up all the time about grading baseball cards and, and coins and, you know, and comics. And I tell them flat out, you know, if you really, really, truly want to know the value of that, you got to get it graded. You right. know, and, and I know it's a, a, it's a cost, but that cost could net you thousands and thousands of dollars versus spending, you know, 200 bucks to get it graded or 150. And it's a process. I mean, we've done it with, you know, I remember we've done it a few times with the baseball, uh, getting that stuff ready. You have to send it out. And during pandemic, you could send something out. You're getting it back for a year and a half now. Right. You have to wonder if it's gone into, the, if you're ever going to get it back. Now you, you mentioned a, a good point. So it, for the past year, how has, how have you been impacted by, the pandemic have you uh you know I, I, other than the obvious that everyone has had to stay in but i know a fair amount of, of production and work still continued uh following certain precautions and guidelines um were you impacted greatly by that um you know honestly because i do a lot more stuff outside the show right constantly on the road and um uh, i'm always out buying collections and the uh Honestly, during pandemic, it was to me it was it was a, a nice transition because there was no one on the road. I mean, I was on highways where I'd travel 150, 200 miles and not see a soul. It was it was kind of the oddest thing in the world. You know, you're driving down Interstate 80 and two cars pass you. 
right. for 150 miles, which is unheard of. So um, I traveled during the pandemic, I traveled about 56,000 miles that year, wow. last year, and uh, only 10,000 of that was on an airplane. Wow. So, you know, uh, it, it slowed down our production to the point where we were off for about three months. And then um, the insurance companies kind of stepped in and let us allowed us to go back to work. But there were a lot of precautions before we went back to work. I mean, testing before, testing when you got there, testing while you were there, testing before you came home. Um, and uh, it was it was a chore. But we, you know, as as a as our I, I call it our group, our family that's out on the road. I think that uh, all of them did a, a tremendous job of keeping everybody safe. And um, we continue to do that to this day. Awesome. Yeah, I got to say, as a fan of of what you know of your show, what of TV production in general, I think you know, um, you know, I know there's a certain danger uh, as it pertains to the uh, to pandemic wise, but I think you know what you guys do really helped a lot of people get through uh, the past year and a half, two years or so. One thing I really wish that uh, the History Channel would have done during the pandemic was actually released more of the episodes because it seems like they always, they put these in the tank over on the one side to, 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 I don't know if they were to, some days I just, everybody always asks me about why they do what they do. Well, that's not, that's not, it's not us. We don't get, we don't get to say we get these episodes out. Um, It's History Channel. They might, they might uh, put 10 or 20 in the, that are sitting out to the side so that when the show, if and when the show ever ends, that they have those episodes that they continue on for another two or three years. I want to jump back real quick. Uh, you mentioned some of the original art that you guys have found. Yeah. Uh, what's some of the stuff that you guys have come across? Um, some original drawings of some, uh, you know, back in those days, they actually had, to. Put, I want to call it, I want to call it movie art or cartoon art. So in the early days, they would actually draw that up prior to going to, you know, this is, you know, what I want to say is TV art, not necessarily comic book art. You can relate to both of those right? because, you know, if, if you're making it for TV art, it was the same thing as what was going into the comic book. You know, the early days they had to draw these things out. So um, we, I found some Spider-Man stuff. Um, I found uh, wow. a little bit of the Green Hornet. Um, and uh, let me think here, what else? I found a lot of uh, Western art. That's you know, cool. Back in the early days, cowboy cowboy Western art was great. You know, yeah. a lot of that stuff got turned into comic books. Right. Now you're a little older than us, so I, I want to ask you: Growing up, how did Stan Lee, being the face of Marvel, being out there on TV shows and and all the the stuff that they did marketing wise, affect you guys and your comic buying habits? Did was him being so out there draw you more to Marvel, or was it the books itself? I think it was more of the characters. Okay. Drew you in, not not necessarily him. Gotcha. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the Hulk back then, mm-hmm. um, and, and for some reason I don't know. I was into monsters. I was definitely into the monster comic books for sure because uh, I don't know um, the, uh, the creature from the Black Lagoon when they brought that out. It's like wow, this is this is real. I used to watch that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it became oh so real when you were looking at it. You're like, wow, this is real. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, did you have the? Uh, you mentioned you like Spider Man a lot. Did you have the uh, book where Gwen Stacy died? No. 
Oh, all right. I was going to say, how did you react to uh, yeah. that? <laughs> you know, they, they've changed the, the comic book world itself since Marvel has become this gigantic movie tank of money that they're sitting there with. Right. Um, to, it really has changed, I guess, how people look at comics, in my opinion. I, I don't, I, I mean, you guys would know more than I would. I have to ask that question. How has it changed the comic book world? since this uh since all these movies have come about well the uh, you know there was a point in uh in the comic book world where the art inspired the uh the life i would say you know the comics inspired the movies now the movies are starting to inspire the comics so there's more of an alignment uh a bit of continuity between the two you know as far as character stories and Co- uh, costumes and, and and things of that nature so right. that you know they're writing in such a way where okay people who see the movies if they start reading the book they'll recognize it and there's some um you know there's a lot more synergy in that sense yeah. uh comic book collectors like myself who and Orn, who've been reading it for so long i mean i don't I don't really care either way. I mean, <laughs> I, I think we, we've gotten to a point, at least both he and I, where, you know, we have our our favorites. We have our time periods, certain, certainly Oren does. Um, and those will forever be our, what we identify with. Right, um, right. Like, you know, I, I, you know, my Superman will always be the Christopher Reeve Superman on TV right. and movies. Uh, yeah. Others have done great jobs, but, you know, that's the one for me. So, you know, it's kind of what you've grown up and fall in love with. I say they keep making them though. I will keep watching them. Oh yeah. That being 100%. said, I don't, I look forward to all that stuff every week, every month, whenever they keep coming out, even the ones that aren't good, I enjoy watching them. And then I make fun of it afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> As I say, from a, from a collector standpoint now, you know, anytime a movie or a TV show comes out and you hear a rumor, Oh, uh, there's a rumor where a certain character might have a cameo. I mean, it could just be, such a minor character but as soon as that word spreads a book that's you know in a dollar bin is yeah. going for 20 30 dollars yeah and yeah. then once the show is over it drops right back down again so right. it's really the market's now being dictated by the tv and the movies because everyone wants to have that first issue or first appearance of someone who yeah. might be a breakout character i mean down the road they might end up being that breakout character that actually becomes a movie by itself or become a comic book by itself and then you've got the first edition of that right yeah Yeah. guardians of the galaxy were just you know second or third tier characters and when they first mentioned it i think i mean even you know i remember hearing like you know comic book fanatics and you know movie people like kevin smith were like what what really Guardians of the Galaxy? Wow. Yeah. And then you start seeing it and you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. Oh yeah. You know, it came out the the probably two of the better of the two uh movies in those all that, you know, MCU stuff. Right, right, right. So yeah, J- uh, Jason Momoa, which is Aquaman, he was yeah. he, Aquaman growing up was one of my favorites because I swam every day of my life. Um he's he's uh become a good friend of my brothers and uh just to meet him in person and, and talk to him on a one-on-one basis is it's kind of unusual, but he's just the most down to earth guy in the world. You know, he, uh, and he, he, he told me at one time that he had to read the comic books to become that character. Gotcha. Which is really interesting because now the character is 
now they're changing the character to align more with him, his right. look, and, and oh, everything, yeah. which is everything. really interesting. Yeah, it is. Well, let me ask you as a fan, though, when, you, you know, you grew up with the blonde-haired Aquaman with the orange yeah. snug shirt and the green pants. Right. And here's this jack dude with long, dark hair. Yep. <laughs> and you're saying he looks like it. Zeus out there. He looks like <laughs> yeah. He's uh, he's sitting on top of the throne. Uh, it's, uh, it's totally different. And and you know, in today's world, you think about that. That the kids nowadays, that's what they're aligning with. They're thinking that that's right. what he looked like. Yep. And realistically, he was the blonde-headed guy. You know, that was good looking back in those days. And it seems like a lot of the comic book characters back in those days, realistically, were were meant to be these people that were uh, just normal Joes on the street that you wouldn't even know. Yep. And nowadays they've gotten this whole different look of, of who they are. Yeah, right. very much so. And I think, you know, it's, it's a changing thing with each generation, you know, 100%. I mean, we can still enjoy it, but I think for us, you know, we can still go back to the old books and be like, no, no, no. I remember when, yeah. you know, the super friends cartoon where he would, the biggest help he would do is like he call a whale in and would help <laughs> Superman stop like Luthor. <laughs> it's it's helpful, I guess, but you know, he's riding dolphins. Right. If the chips are down, I don't know if he's the guy you're going to call. No, well, no. that a guy that turned into a bucket of water too. So, yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so do you, I know? Obviously, you have a life and you're busy and you're on the road. But do you actively collect comics still? I have my collection. Um, I collect my main collection that I that I collect right now. You know, most people will come into my shop and say, uh, "You can ask that question. What do I collect?" Because I've got so much stuff. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I, I've got uh, everything from. Uh, you know, I collect a lot of vintage advertising. I've been into advertising for over thirty plus years. Um, and it could be anything from a gas oil sign to something that uh, um, had to do with a coal mine to uh, grocery store items, things like that. Just I don't know for some reason that the early advertising in America always seems to get get me. You know I don't know why that is, but the process of making a sign back then was so different than, than what it is today. It's not vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I've got motorcycles and I'm a big car fanatic. I've got, uh, I've got, and I'm not one of those guys on the car side that, that keep my blinders on. If it appeals to me, then, um, I buy it typically, you know, I've got everything from a 1970 Ford pickup truck to, uh, all the way down to a 1929 model, a, uh, wow. pickup truck. So, uh, <laughs> all over the place on, on that. I'm kind of like a squirrel with a nut, you know, they're all over. Um, I I would say that collecting is as big of a addiction as say drugs or alcohol. Oh, hundred percent. More dangerous because I don't really drink much. uh, Don't do drugs or anything. But when I start dating my wife, I told her this is what I like to do, and you need to know what you're getting yourself into because you know it's it can get you in trouble <laughs> i mean in a good way sometimes you know but it's a good problem to have uh my i could remember that my wife saying to me you want to, you're going to financially break us when we had you know i have five kids i have five kids so um you know as when i was running my landscape company still collecting and doing all that stuff it wasn't hard for me to go out and spend you know 
a couple thousand dollars here on something. And my wife would look at that and go, um, yeah, well, we need to put food on the table. Okay, well, this piece is so rare. We need to buy this, you know, and, and making my argument towards that. It took uh, it took a good 20 years for her to settle into the position that um, that I knew what I knew, that, you know, I, I, I know what I'm doing. And she finally realized that. But it took 20 years. <laughs> That's why I shop at the dollar bins. I tell my wife, like, it's just it's a dollar. Like, I, for $20, I can get 20 books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, that, that was, those were back in the days. Those were good days. <laughs> I also have to give you guys credit because I go to a lot of tag sales and stuff. And ever since your show came out, I see more and more people with the, uh, the gas and automotive signs and the cans and stuff like that. Um, how do, I mean, I know you guys have a trained eye, but for people getting into it, how do they know what's not a reproduction and what's the real deal? It's not someone, you know, just messing around with stuff. Well, and that's the problem right now uh, during these days that we're in probably the last five years. Reproductions have been around since the 70s. Right. Keep that in mind. Um, I still see those in my travels. They still look old. and They do have a value of the ones that were made in the 70s. But now you've got India jumping in, Taiwan jumping in, and these guys are mass producing these forced designs. And um, in the last five years, they've pretty much – the early productions of those, they didn't care about that, how it was look, how it looked or anything. There was always blemishes on it and you could tell the difference. But nowadays they're making, they're putting maker's marks on these. They're, they're doing such a wonderful job on it that, that uh, you really have to be careful. And the big thing with that is you really have to be careful with the auction houses because the auction house will tell you flat out, it's not their job to tell you if it's real, which it isn't. It's not their job. It's your job to know what you're buying. So these guys, a lot of people will buy online during the pandemic. They were buying, all these people were buying online. Holy cow. Um, And some people don't care that it's reproduction, but it really gets to me as a collector. It really gets to me when somebody spends five, six, $10,000 on something that was a reproduction sign and not told to them. I have to worry about, you know, I look at the future of where we're at right now and what's going to happen with the kids, like my kid, my one that's 22, what's going to happen with him when he's 50 years old right. and where are the production signs going to be at that point? Right. So, you know, it's no different than the comic books. You got to get them graded. Do you guys see a lot of reproduction on the comic book side? I, I do. I So, I didn't mean to cut you off, Warren, but I've been, uh, I mean, I know we, if you look in the dollar bins, you're you're going to find what, you know, the original stuff for the most part. But if you start looking on the web and eBay and things like that, you find, at least I tend to find more reproductions. And I say that because I'm trying to get a lot of the older um, uh, Vault of Horror and Tales from the Crypt comics. And they are, the originals are out there, um, but you have to pay a bit more, right. but there are a fair amount of reprints uh, from, say, late 80s, early 90s. And a lot of people will not disclose that they are reprints. Right. So the reprints still have a old look to them in the cover. But, yeah. you know, it's not until you start flipping through that you realize, oh, this is a reprint. And, you know, a lot of people will be a little shady in that sense and they won't disclose that. So, no. yeah. Right. It, it's out there. Um, there was a, some guy on Facebook trying to sell an old Superman comic. Right. 
and they were close by. And I was like, I was ready to drive over there. And then I started reading through and looking at the comments and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, you're really being jerk because this is just a reprint from like 92. So, well, and that, you know, with that sense, it's uh, being in the collecting field as long as I have been and my brother have been. And we have you know, we have connections all over the country uh, of people. You know, I'm 55 now. My brother's 57. And, um, you know, been doing this for 30 years. So you can imagine the, the people that we have in, in our collecting field that are out there. So most of these guys are now in their 80s and they're in their 90s to, to have them even uh to see how the collecting field as a whole has changed. Right. Not necessarily with eBay, but with the fact that you had a cell phone, the fact mm-hmm. that you look up stuff on Google or WordPoint or whatever it be. That that's you know, it's like I get hit every day with people asking me values and stuff. And I'm like, you know, <laughs> ever since I've been collecting, it was about the gut. It was about how you felt about that piece. Mm-hmm. And uh, my brother and my grandfather used to say all the time, if you like it, somebody else will like it. So never buy something that you don't like because, yeah. and I think that's probably why I got so much stuff is because everything in here I like and I buy it because I like it. If I'm stuck with it, I'm stuck with it. That's why I look at it. I don't look at it as a value thing where the, the new collector nowadays to me is looking at a value and how much money they can make off of it. Right. Yeah. So, I th- a lot of people, yeah. I think, tell us comic book collectors that, wow, you must have a lot of money there that, you know, I'm like, well, you know, it's only a lot of money if I'm going to sell it. Like it's not, I'm not, I'm collecting this stuff. Yeah. I mean, because some of them have certain amount of value to them, but I have no intention of selling this stuff. Right. You know, God forbid, unless something happens and I have to, but like I'm collecting it to have because I'm nostalgic for it. Um, I want to pass it down to my children. You know, at some point and hopefully they can appreciate it. But, you know, I have no intention of selling, you know, my comic books, my old tools and stuff like that. So, you know, you're feeling uh, tell me it's not the greatest feeling. And most collectors don't, you know, collectors as a whole, whether it be comic books, cars, gas oil, doesn't matter what it is. It's that feeling like I can see you sitting in your room right now and I see all the Superman stuff behind you. Uh it's the feeling of actually going in that that spot, how yeah. it makes you feel, and yeah. that that feeling will never go away as a collector. Yeah. I mean, really, it's not about the money and the monetary value of it. It's about how that makes you feel when you. It's you're in that world now. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's got you know. Dare I say? I think I've I, I started collecting things as a result of my parents. I mean, not hoarders by any means, but you know, my parents had. A, a certain amount of appreciation for well-made um, things. Yeah. Um, my mother got it, you know, from when she was young, she, you know, she lived in, uh, in Madrid for years and bought the original Yadro figurines and Orin has seen them plenty of times, you know, um, you know, when they were only like 10, 12 bucks. Correct. Now they are thousands of dollars. And, you know, my dad collected stamps, coins, you know, et cetera, uh, and got me into old tools. So, you know, um, it, it's a, it's a, it, it's inherited. Yeah. I know we're coming up on time. So we wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. 
No, thank you guys. I appreciate it. It brings me back to a good time in my life when uh, things were so simple, you know. <laughs> and I think uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, that's something that's lost in this world today is uh, the simplicity of life. So, you know, I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk with me and uh, let me reminisce a little bit. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Uh, I, one question I have for you. What is, if this is something that you need to leave for the TV show, I totally understand. But what has been one of the most, probably the the coolest find for you, whether it's personally, professionally, um, that you've come across? Um, one, of the, the, one of the things I found, probably about 10 years ago, and to me it was more of the story. I mean, it was a, it was a great piece, but the story that went with it, I found a, uh, a 92-year-old World War II vet had contact his his daughter had contacted me and said, "Hey, my dad's got these motorcycles. Uh, can you come look at them? I'm in Michigan. I go, I drive there. I go look at them. The guy hadn't been in the basement in probably 15 years of his the last 15 years of his life. He uh, had seven kids. They grew up in a two-bedroom house. Two of the daughters were there." And the thing that enthralled me with the story was that all seven kids had grown up in this two-bedroom house, and it just reminded me of what America really was about then and, and it isn't about now. Mm-hmm. You know, the guy was a World War II vet. He went, he came home from the war. He started a plumbing company. He was enthralled with airplanes. He built an airplane and put it in the basement of this house. <laughs> and, wow. And, and there was remnants of that airplane still in the basement, and I and she showed me pictures of it. And I said to her, I go, Hey, how did you get the airplane out of the house? Did you guys have to disassemble it? And she said, no, my dad took, he was a plumber. So he took the entire back wall down. A guy came from Texas and bought the airplane. I said, so you guys took the wall down, dug out the back Hill and took the airplane out the back of the house. She said, yes, that's what my dad did. (laughs) And uh, it was kind of an interesting story. And when I brought his motorcycle upstairs, it was an Indian four cylinder was in pieces he told me the story of him buying it when he was younger. He never had any money. He had seven kids and he was piecing this bike together to ride someday. He never got around to doing it because, you know, with life, everything, it just, uh, the yeah. kids work, everything took over. So um, just, a, I don't know. It, those are the stories and the things that connect me to this world of uh, where, where I think we need more of that in America back to the family sense and uh, that story always reminds me of, uh, and keeps me grounded of where I need to be in this world. That's awesome. That's, that's great. Yeah, I mean, it's not necessarily about the find itself, but his his voice talking to me about flying. Uh, I think at the time he had flown uh, thirty five missions. Jeez, wow. his bomber jacket. He still had all his Air Force patches, and for him to be able to tell me his stories and uh, me connect with that and connect with the family sense was a great feeling. I mean, that's, that's what gets me up in the morning. Those things. That's fantastic. Yeah. It's, it's good to know that in spite of all the negativity and nonsense that one has to contend with during the day, uh, there's still a lot of good out there. So, and that seems to be one of the things that the show continues to bring about is the good, the good from the people that are there, the stories that we can bring about. Um, and, um, it, uh, we're, you know, we're still going strong. I can tell you that we're, uh, we're, uh, we're signing uh, another deal for another, I think another two seasons right now. So that's great. I look at it as, uh, I look at it as, uh, it, we're in 62 countries now 
and it's the emails I get from Portugal, Spain, uh, Taiwan, uh, South America, all over the place. It seems to just people are enthralled with history, and that's a good thing that we are not throwing away our history anymore, and that people are like trying to save it at least. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so yeah. much. Yeah, thank you, Rob. Wonderful week. Thank you, you too. You have a good one. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Take care. All right. The Dollar Bin Bandits are Oren Phillips, Joe Marcello, and Mike Farah. New episodes release every Wednesday and Friday. You can find us on all the socials at Dollar Bin Bandits on Facebook and Instagram, at DB Bandits on X. For more super nerdy discourse, join the Dollar Bin Banter group on Facebook. You can email us at dollarbinbandits at gmail.com. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you found this episode. It's the easiest and most helpful way to grow the show. Looking for merch? Search us up on TeePublic. And if you want to support what we do, smash that support button on our website, dollarbinbandits.buzzsprout.com. Thank you to Sean McMillan for our graphics and Pat McGrath for our logo. Thank you to our friends at Tomorrow's Publishing, T-W-O-M-O-R-R-O-W-S dot com. And thank you all for listening. Until next time, banditos.